You're listening to Foresight, a podcast about making work better. I'm your co-host, Mark Edgar, a recovering CHRO, who now works as a consultant, facilitator and coach on a mission to make work more human. And I'm Naomi Teitelman, a former big firm consultant and HR executive, now striving to make work better one organization and one leader at a time. Every week, we'll discuss the latest trends that are impacting the new world of work to help you be a better leader for the future. Welcome to Foresight, a podcast about making work better, brought to you by Future Forward. My name is Mark Edgar, and I am joined today by Naomi Teitelman. How are you, Naomi? I'm doing well, thanks. Almost made it through January, which is often the darkest, saddest month of the year, but we're almost there. We're almost at the end yeah. of it, and it feels like days are getting longer, so all good. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? It is, seems to be getting a bit lighter in the morning, but not everybody's favorite month, January, so hopefully we can give everybody a bit of joy with our podcast today. Today, we are going to be talking about one of our foresight themes or sections, which is going to be around building the worker ecosystem, so we'll tee that up in a second. But I thought we'd start with a check-in, and I'm going to hijack you a little bit with the check-in today and ask you something a bit random. And it's something I haven't shared with you yet, actually, which was that I was seeing the other day that I was found myself singing karaoke, which isn't something I do very often. And I hadn't shared that with you because I thought you'd, one, be very impressed and in awe of my talents as a karaoke person. But also my check-in question was going to be, what is your karaoke song? Good question. Way to put me on the spot. I think I'm going to go with Don't Stop Believing, which was also my theme song out of 2022. That was kind of my theme song that I identified for myself last year. And it's just such a fun song to kind of belt out in in a room, a crowded room, a quiet room, you know, air guitar. So it, it feels like a really energizing song. So that's usually my go-to. What about you, Mark? Tell me about so the, tell me about your karaoke experience and what you sang. Well, it was while I was away actually on holiday and wasn't particularly expected. I, I did claim to be able to sing, but I haven't particularly done a lot of karaoke, but I ended up being cajoled by my lovely wife to, to go up and sing at one of the evening events. And embarrassingly, when I got up to the guy, he said, well, what is your karaoke song? Hence my question. I didn't know. I didn't have a decent <laughs> answer. So you panicked, so he and what did you choose? Panicked. Well, I didn't even then. He he then said, well, we're going to play a Bruno Mars song, which I'd heard of, but couldn't sing very well, and then ended up shifting partway through, which was somewhat embarrassing. It was almost like take two, and sang Billie Jean, which is Mark Edgar, Michael Jackson, bit of a stretch there. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm picturing Billie Jean with your <laughs> accent, and your British accent, and it just not... I mean, it could go horribly wrong or really, really right. So do you want to give us a little bit of a, of a no, showcase? I'll, I'll probably resist that today, but just to give you th those Stay two reviews. Stay tuned to future episodes. Exactly. <laughs> I'll give you two, two quick bits of feedback I got. One was from my father-in-law who f was very impressed and he's not easy to impress and actually ended up showing it to, to quite a few friends and family because Sarah videoed it, my wife videoed it at the time. And then not so good feedback from my sister-in-law when she saw it, she thought it was a bit flat. Oh. which I don't think is ultimately what you want to get. So, right. Well, don't quit your day so job go. and just no. keep on, keep on, don't stop believing. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't stop, stop believing. believing, Mark. Stop believing. There's probably impossible to do a segue from that check-in to the topic today. So the best <laughs> I can come up with is that we are in some way talking about our talents, hidden or not. And that was the, the conversation today. So, so let's get into talking about building the worker 
ecosystem. Sounds good. Let's do it. So Naomi, this term building the worker ecosystem, we've been kicking this around for a while, ever since we came up with our categories for the future of work. And I think we introduced it in one of our earlier episodes, but would you mind just giving people a sense of what we mean by that? Yeah. So building the worker ecosystem, I like to very simply say formerly known as recruiting. So, you know, in the good old days, we used to post job descriptions, send it out to the ether. Well, you know, before the ether, send it out to lots of people by mail for however we used to do it, get a bunch of full-time candidates, interview them, not really worry too much about diversity, quite frankly, choose the best candidate who often looked like the rest of the team, and then hired them and onboarded them and hoped that they stayed with the organization for 30, 40, 50 plus years. And obviously that world has changed significantly. Basically every single step of that process has changed significantly. So we more think about building the worker ecosystem as a much broader talent pool. So not just full-time employees, not just, you know, a few part-time employees, but really much broader than that. So, you know, a combination of full-time, part-time, temporary and permanent and our favorite bots all included. And so, you know, there are organizations who are doing really wonderful things on this front and it leads to really great inclusion, really great purpose-driven work and and purpose-driven hiring. And so it's exciting what's out there. I would also kind of put talent mobility in there. So, you know, we're constantly rehiring the people who are currently in our organization because as we've mentioned before, it still is rather an employee-driven market. And so people have choice and we have to continue to engage them and, and, and recruit them, quite frankly. So much broader bucket than, than what we formerly referred to as recruitment. Mm. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And it's, I mean, I know from speaking to people, we certainly 2022 was considered to be such a complex year of recruitment, to use the old term, in terms of a lot of pent-up demand during the pandemic and then this huge volume of activity that was going on. So it strikes me that building the worker ecosystem is still quite a hot topic for mm-hmm. HR leaders and HR people out there who are thinking about this stuff. So yeah, maybe just thinking about that, what, what is it that you think makes this such an important topic for people to think about now? Or you know, what is it that's going on in terms of, I guess, talent acquisition that makes it such an important thing to think about. Yeah, I mean, now, I think we, really. yeah, I think I think we have kind of we we have kind of extremes in front of us. We have huge labor shortage in certain areas, and then we see every day in the news, you know, technology companies who are laying off, you know, thousands and thousands of people. So I think you know, thinking about the broader worker ecosystem, how you're going to acquire talent and keep them engaged, both in high volume areas and in hot talent areas, is really critically important because without talent, obviously, we can't drive the business forward. So so I'm seeing a lot of interesting new trends emerging. One of the trends that I love so much, actually, is that people are proactively posting on LinkedIn, either if they have, you know, a significant number of open roles, which has happened in the past, but also kind of sponsoring and vouching for people on LinkedIn proactively. I think that's 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 great. And we've also seen websites emerge that has kind of lists of people who have been laid off circumstantially that really has nothing to do with how talented they are, but really just, you know, unfortunately, business needs required, you know, some some layoffs. So I love this kind of open transparency that's starting to emerge in terms of 
sharing talent. And that's very new. I think that's very new. You and I, Mark, talked about it actually at one of our very first Future Forward conferences. We talked about like, wouldn't the utopian world be that there's these kind of talent pools that are very fluid, not just within your own borders of your company, but you can send people to other companies and back in a much more fluid way. So I would love to see more of that. And this feels like the start of something like that. So anyway, to answer your question more directly, I think, you know, even though we're talking about the R word, which we don't want to mention again, and we see tons of layoffs, Amazon recently announcing big layoffs, lots of tech companies have done so in the recent past. There is this real labor shortage in certain areas and also the need to acquire these hot talent, these hot skills. And do you do that internally and do you develop people and or do you need to complement with with reaching out externally, not necessarily to full time employees, but potentially gig workers or, you know, thinking about automation or whatever the case is. So really important to think about that stuff in this day and age. So a lot of it sounds like it's based around kind of demand in some way. Is this just a a need to think about this differently. But but also, I think one thing you mentioned earlier, I think there's also this opportunity that we have because there are more, I think a combination, we have more awareness of some of these things and how important there are, but there's also there's, there's new technology, there's new platforms available that people can access to actually make the process of thinking about building the worker ecosystem in a different way. It's kind of easier in some respects, I wonder. Because we have, we have seen a bit of an increase in talent platforms. And I, I really like your example where you mentioned even something as simple as LinkedIn and how people are using that as a different way of giving people more information around what opportunities exist. Yeah, absolutely. You you, you touched on it, but I, I remember we've, we've, you've used this idea before, but this idea of almost like a, a build, buy or bot strategy. Mm-hmm. So you touched on that, but maybe let's just bring that to life a little bit more. So let's start with kind of the buy strategy is, is probably pretty obvious. I mean, that's around when you go out to an organization, go out to the market and you look to acquire talent and bring them in. But the, maybe the two that are less not used as, as much as they should would be the build and the bot strategy. So the, the build strategy for me is very similar to this idea of kind of internal mobility. Is, is that how you would see it? Yeah. I mean, anything where you can develop skills internally in order to move someone from one position to another, right? So it's a critical part of an internal mobility strategy is that build piece, because you can't just move someone from a sales role to an HR role without doing any development in between. So I think first is kind of understanding what the gap is in skills between those two roles that you want to move someone from into, and then what is the development strategy for that particular person and, and, you know, how to make that happen. And we've talked about kind of the broadening, de- the broadened definition of learning and development. You know, it's not just sending someone to a HR course and have them certified and, you know, lo and behold, they're an HR professional. But what does that development journey look like and how long realistically does it take to development to develop them to assume the new role? So, yes, build, I would say, is anything to do with skill development, either laterally or, you know, or, you know, to a leadership position from an individual contributor. But it's, it strikes me that we do have to be a bit more deliberate about what that development is. or have a sense mm. of what we're working towards, both for the individual, but rolling that up for the organization as well. Because otherwise, you giving people skills that aren't going to be useful in the longer term isn't going to be particularly helpful yesterday. So I wonder if that's a bit of a gap that we see sometimes with organizations where they're they're developing skills, but are they the right skills for the future? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we've talked about this before also that, you know, being very specific about what skills need to be developed. You know, some skills need to be developed because that individual is curious about those skills and wants to develop them. So we have to acknowledge that as well. You know, what's right for the individual, given their career aspirations and all that, all that stuff. And also what's needed from a development perspective for them to do really great things in their current role and grow in their current role, potentially, you know, go up kind of a vertical track in their role. And then what's needed from an organizational for that person to maybe, you know, something's becoming automated in their world or in their role, how can we develop them so that they can move laterally into potentially a different function or a different discipline? Yes. And it's obviously the benefit of having an internal candidate that you, you know well, and you know what their capabilities are and thinking about that that person as somebody that you can then upskill is, I would have thought, a less riskier strategy than bringing potentially somebody out from the outside who you don't know. So there are some benefits there. And then we have the bot strategy. So this is the famous robots that I know we, we thought were going to take over our, our world a while ago. And I think you've suggested before, maybe you've disappeared. And But in reality, they haven't. They're still there. No. Oh my God. They're so, ba- they're back in full force. I mean, with the announcement of chat GPT, it's mind blowing what is coming our way in terms of what AI is capable of doing. I know, you know, I've seen a couple of posts on LinkedIn and then, you know, someone will reveal just so you know, that was created by chat GPT. I mean, our skills need to evolve at breakneck speed right now because if we're able to use that type of technology, not to say it's good or bad, but it exists and, you know, students will be using it and workers will be using it and writers will be using it, then what is the value add, you know, that we bring to the table? So, you know, by no stretch are robots gone. They're back in full force. And some of these new technologies that are coming out, you know, Robin, which next week we will chat with Robin J. Suthasan, who will bring to life the concept of perpetual reinvention. And we need to get really good at perpetual reinvention, given the state of the robots currently in our workplace and currently in our world. Yeah, it's definitely in the, the wheelhouse of, of Raven, isn't it? Our guest for next week. But it was your, your chat GPT thing. It, it reminds me of a link I saw, which we'll put in the show notes of kind of Talent Canada. They posted a number of different things that they'd asked chat GPT to do very HR-related activities, which were mm-hmm. staggering in terms of the way that they were responding to things like, how, what, what advice would you give to a leader who has to deal with a disciplinary, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, writing job descriptions, all stuff that's on many HR persons lists. So yeah. yes, bots are very much alive as well as part of that strategy and, and can be a really helpful part of it. It's this idea yeah. of really dealing with the kind of repetitive mundane tasks that we don't want to do, which allow us capacity to then focus on things whereas humans with all of our skills and capabilities we can add more value isn't it so it's it should be a a build we use the word augment rather than something that's taking away which is how it sometimes feels yeah absolutely and then just maybe sorry i should have thought going back to build i I just then is thinking about the different categories that we we don't necessarily always think about so we've we've touched on these but this idea of permanent FTE, but then finding all sorts of other other routes, which is where we get into things like gig workers. But any other any other groups that feel unusual that we don't necessarily tap into as much as we should, do you think? Yeah. So, I mean, a couple of other things come to mind. Number one is alumni, right? So it's kind of a cross-section of some of these things. So alumni could be full-time employees, right? And which could come back in form of a boomerang yes. is is the term that's being used these days. So someone who leaves and comes back, which we're seeing actually a little bit of a trend on that because I think people have left 
due to the great resignation and are now finding the, themselves in a in a space where the grass isn't greener and want to return to their former employers. So they should be treated as alumni, right? It's a very different strategy to re-recruit or re-onboard someone who's already been part of your organization as a full-time employee. And then I would also, as a subcategory, say, you know, retirees and or alumni who want to come back in a different capacity than full-time, right? So they want to contribute to the organization's purpose. They want to you know, bring their skills to an organization, but not in a full-time permanent capacity. So it's it's kind of a, it is a sub-segment of alumni. It is a sub-segment of gig workers, but also ha- has its nuances as well, right? So someone who's retired, you know, may may have stipulations in terms of how many hours they want to work or what types of work they want to do or where they want to work. So, you know, there's there's definitely considerations across all of these different work, worker segments, either human or digital. And And I would also offer, you know, we talked about a while ago and haven't addressed it as much lately, but the the concept of crowds. So really, you know, some organizations, some product development organizations use crowds to crowdsource ideas about the mm. next new product or, you know, how to solve really important, really important problems. In Robin J. Suthasen's last book or two books ago, I think, called Lead the Work, there was a great example of a medical problem that was solved by a crowd. So we shouldn't overlook the power of crowds as well. And you can you can get to a crowd both from, you know, platforms. There are platforms who assemble crowds for you, as well as, you know, simply going out on on LinkedIn or on Facebook and asking questions and kind of getting the right people to chime in with their answers. Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah. And then my daughter, she gets involved in some of that stuff with kind of, she's in statistics and often gets asked questions from corporations who are looking to get answers on stuff. So the example of the retiring, uh, there's a sort of like a, a phrase, which is an easy one to remember, but retire to rehire program that a company mentioned to me the other day, which I thought was a, a, a just a, a neat way of framing it. Mm-hmm. All these things do present a lot of considerations for HR teams when you have such a diverse group of people coming into your organization. Don't they? I just think as simple as like an onboarding program, how much that would have to change if you're you have somebody who's an alumni versus somebody who's a retiree versus somebody who's maybe just working part-time. It does create a lot of complexity for HR teams to get their heads around. Yeah, absolutely. And I think systems need to change as well. Not hiring a gig worker just because our HRIS doesn't allow for that can't be the answer anymore, right? So we need to figure out a way to, A, have a comprehensive view of all of our talent, regardless of what their employment relationship is with us in one central view, right? And like, forget about the sticks and boxes and what goes in a box and what goes through procurement, right? Like we can't, we can't think about our worker ecosystem that way anymore. And how do you performance, how do you manage performance or accelerate performance in some of these segments, which, you know, we used to shy away from giving feedback to contract workers, but that, that seems ridiculous, right? If they're mm. bring, being brought in to do work for our organization, we have to be able to give them feedback in a, in a very robust way, quite frankly. And maybe it's not a performance review, you know, in the cadence that we do, you know, in corporations, but we need some sort of mechanism to keep them engaged, keep them motivated and keep them pointed in the right direction. Yeah. So, so this maybe in summary, it's, it's being clear on what skills you need, where you're going to get them from, recognizing that there's so many options. And then once you've got them thinking about almost like a unique employee experience or a unique experience for each of those different categories, and then hopefully through that, you can start to sustain some momentum around your 
your ecosystem, how you're building your ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah. And taking the friction out of the process as much as possible. So what is the most seamless way to get those gig workers, kind of find them, engage them, onboard them and get them productive really, really quickly is very different than what you would do for a full-time permanent employee. And and even, you know, if even if you think of summer interns, right? Like, so the the, the process by which you do all those things and manage the entire end-to-end employee life cycle is, is, is different from one segment to another. Sure. Excellent. Well, I think we've maybe teed up quite nicely the follow-up conversation with Ravin next week because he, he talks through the way in which we deconstruct work. So we encourage our listeners to come back to, the, to listen to that one next week as well. But yeah, I think we're, uh, that's building the worker ecosystem. That's a good discussion. Thanks, Naomi. Thank you. So let's end, as we do, with our feel good. So Naomi, what are you feeling good about? So I think I already, it was a bit of a spoiler at the beginning of this episode, but I am feeling good that we are almost done with January. I'm not a big fan of January and I'm happy that the days are getting longer. And so that is my feel good today, that the days are getting longer. Cool. Yeah, you're kind of a bit more daylight, etc. The news I'll share I'm feeling good about is I actually started a new job this week. So that's exciting. I know this isn't new news for you, Naomi, but might be for our listeners. So I will, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more next week. But first week is done, a few days down and everything's going well. Congratulations. Glad to think that, glad to hear that everything is going well and huge congratulations. They are very lucky to have you. So thank you. Checks in the post. Checks in the post. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks everybody. We will see you next week. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Foresight. If you enjoyed the episode, we would love to hear from you. Leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Your ratings and reviews also help more people like you find our show so that we can reach more future forward leaders and achieve our mission of making work better. Follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn at Future Forward and sign up for our weekly newsletter, Foresight, on our website, futureforward.com. That's F-U-T-U-R-E-F-O-H-R-W-A-R-D.com, where we share even more about the new world of work. Talk to you next week.